all living in a world gone geek. It's time to geek hard or go home. The website is fake, but the podcast is real. Here's your host, Grounded Geek. All right. Thank you. Thank you for being with us again, once again on the podcast. As always, I am Jeff, also known as Grounded Geek, and we are at San Diego Comic-Con. At That's right. We are celebrating San Diego Comic-Con this week because I get to go for the first time ever because it's literally over here at my computer where I'm already sitting. It's the first kind of real day of Comic-Con. The first day was Wednesday, and they do a lot of uh, educational type, more educational things. And today was a lot of the more pop culture things. Let's really get into some cool panels. We're going to share with you the top five panels in just a minute. Um, and then we're going to talk about some of the things that are coming up this weekend that you might want to look forward to to go check out. But before we do that, I need to introduce you to the panel, Gone Geek. Once again, I want to welcome onto the show a good friend, Utah. Utah, welcome back. Greetings, welcome. my excellent friends. So glad that you are here. Uh, I don't have any kind of icebreaker this week. No we're just we're kind of going to just jump right into everything that's going on. So I'm cool. also going to welcome our co-host, Aliyah Stefan. Welcome back to the show. Hey, guys. And this What's is your, your first San Diego Comic-Con as well, right? It is. And I am very grateful to experience it for the grand price of free. Yes. Agreed. <laughs> a, right. Yes. I mean, yes, that's the yes. main reason that I haven't gone ever is because it's expensive to, well, not just to get in, but to get there. Right. After I yeah, live, we live airfare. Yeah. I can't uh, get out there. Um, Hotels. But Utah has been several times. How many again? Uh, my first time was 2013. And you've been, been getting tickets every year, right? Since I've then? been uh, very fortunate and lucky uh, that uh, I've been able to get badges every year because it's a hot ticket. It's a very hot ticket. Um, you know, they hand out 150,000 badges and over, uh, I think, last count, one and a half million people tried to get them last year. So, Jeez. so the wow. odds are never in your favor. <laughs> <laughs> this year, uh, uh, 1.5 million What'd you say? 1.5 million? 1.5 million tried for badges. 1.5 million all, people get to see it this year. That's what's I'm exciting. I'm assuming everybody, at least a one and a half million people are now, you know, enjoying it. And don't get me wrong. I would give anything to be out of this pandemic and out of this COVID nonsense and for this Ditto. to be over. But I'm going to take advantage while I can of the fact that San Diego Comic-Con decided to go virtual this year so that we can all experience it. And they're doing a great job. I've been super impressed and very happy with how they're handling it. There's at least, I want to say there's uh, anywhere from 250 to 300 different panels, mm. um, wow. which is r right around what they usually have in person. They tend to have a bit more because they actually have more rooms to schedule. Uh, and I think they also, uh, you know, some of the studio, some of the major movie studios aren't doing things with San Diego Comic-Con this year because sure. it's gone virtual. But um, that being said, there's still really great content. I've been impressed with the shows and the uh, the panels that they've had. I mean, Amazon Prime has showed up big time this year with their virtual panels. Uh, CBS has got some stuff going on. Nickelodeon's on there. So I was worried about content. I was worried that a lot of studios uh, wouldn't want to participate and maybe do their own thing since it's virtual, but kudos to Comic-Con International. They've done a bang-up job so far. 
So we're going to recap a little bit of Thursday, the top five panels that we were got the chance to take a look at. And uh, we're going to do that now. Number one. So number one for me uh, has to be the Star Trek panels that occurred today. They did basically three combined into one sort of hour and 20 minutes-ish panel. They put together Star Trek Discovery. They put together the new animated series Star Trek Lower Decks. And they had a Star Trek Picard panel. The Star Trek Discovery one was basically just a table read of one of the episodes, last episode, I think. Of yeah, it was the a season finale. Season, which was kind of fascinating to watch, but also, like, not <laughs> at the same right. time. It's- I did enjoy seeing a lot of the kind of behind-the-scenes uh, special effects they, they showed. They showed some of the storyboards, which I thought was yep. fascinating. Um, and it was really kind of cool to see the actors just kind of, like, working – those parts but it also felt like i mean it was long for that you know what i mean like i didn't need to see the entire episode talked out (laughs) in a panel yeah i I was uh surprised that they 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 did the whole episode um and it's certainly something uh certainly something that they wouldn't have done in person i don't think um but i mean they had they, they had the assets you know the storyboarding and and some of the uh previous stuff was pretty cool and it was a really neat to see the actors um, sort of get into their character, mm-hmm. like right in front of your eyes. Yeah. And even though they're even though they're obviously sitting in a room in their house, to see, see them kind of channel the character they're playing, and to see it so obviously happen was was pretty cool. But um, yeah, a forty five minute table read um, was not super compelling for me, <laughs> especially when we're all sitting here dying to know when season three is coming. We right. all there, want to so know many other things. There's so many questions. What's coming? And, yeah, uh, we did get an announcement uh, at the very beginning. Oh, that's right. Um, two two big announcements. One that uh, Strange New Worlds has started. That's the next series that's coming out. They have started pre production, so the writing writers room is open, and they are already have some ten stories lined up and that they're working on. So that's exciting. That show is actually happening. Many people were very excited to to find out that some of the fan favorite characters from Discovery weren't even the the necessarily the crew members from Discovery. <laughs> they were briefly in the story, but everybody's like, "We want to see more of them instead." And well, so, right, not and, instead, but also, also, yeah. And I'm glad they did that. I mean, um, when they brought the Enterprise into Discovery, a lot of people are like, "Oh, what does that mean? What? Why? Why are?" Some people were thinking, "Oh, that's just a crutch because Discovery wasn't doing so well," but Discovery was doing great in terms of um, viewership. But the fact that, you know, you've got Ethan Peck, Anson Mountain, Rebecca Romaine as like basically the the triumvirate for this series, the chemistry between the three of them was great on screen. And it's the Enterprise for crying out loud. I mean, <laughs> right. Pre-Kirk and, Enterprise. Yeah. And I think I, I just really enjoyed Anson Mount as Pike. He was great as Pike. And yeah. so I think, for me, it was just exciting to know that 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 he was going to get to continue to be that character for a while. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so all three of them going into this other show, I, I got to, you know, even though I like Discovery and I'll give them props, I, I got to tell you, I'm way more excited about this show than I am a new season of Discovery, even though I yeah, like Discovery. Yeah. But something about like this sounds more like classic Trek. They're going to go off yeah, exactly. and explore strange new worlds, right? They're going to go and probably have 
a five-year mission. Yeah, ten, maybe maybe a different uh, adventure each week rather than an, a rolling story. And I really like that. I like the overarching story of Discovery as well, but it'll be nice to see more of that kind of like the classic storytelling again. No, I think you hit it. I think you hit it on uh, hit it on the head that uh, this is definitely sounds like. Uh, much more uh, of the storytelling style of the original series. And I think a lot of people are going to to kind of hold on to that. Plus, it is the Enterprise. It may be a different version of it than right. what we're used to, but it is the Enterprise. Anytime the um, Enterprise is, is involved, I'm interested. You know, I, I have to admit that in the last season of Discovery, my favorite episodes were the ones with the Enterprise and the right. Enterprise crew in it. So the fact that they're going to have their own show now, cool. I can't wait. The other big news that they dropped at the very beginning of that panel was a Star Trek, the very first Star Trek kids show. They are actually teamed up with Nickelodeon to do Star Trek Prodigy. And uh, we were trying to... Wesley Crusher. Yes, we were trying to <laughs> think, what could this show be about? Obviously, it seems it to me to Prodigy, about... it's got to be Starfleet Academy. It's got to be Starfleet Academy and the cadets, right? Yeah, it's got to be, or young, 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 young cadets. Kids? I don't know. And I just think it would be great if it's a Wesley Crusher origin story. Like, if we could just see him in school before he gets to the Enterprise. And I Will Wheaton be, could do the I voice. Want, yes. I, want I would be, be all over that and show. And I want Will Wheaton to, to reprise his role as Wesley Crusher. Now, did they say if it was animated or not? I can't remember. I they, was just, you know, they, they didn't. I was just so excited. I'm, just, I'm like, what? A kid's show for Star Trek? It's I just, don't think they, I don't think they mentioned it, but the fact that it's on Nickelodeon. It probably and, is. And, and, and the title, the title font, the title graphic looked very animated to me. So, but that's total speculation on my part. Yeah. I'll watch it no matter, you know, no matter what. So after they did the discovery table read, they did a second panel, which was Star Trek Lower Decks. Uh, that was pretty fun. They showed a, a scene from the show. It's obviously <laughs> it going to clip. be a different type of show. I, I, the the showrunner at the time actually said that it's going. You know, this is the first Trek comedy, which we all know is really the Orville. The Orville. Yeah, that's the show that's actually the Star Trek comedy, but um, the first. Uh, I, the know first, uh, I know it's not really Star Trek. People aren't going to write the first, into it. First part. Everybody knows that's basically Star Trek. The Orville is. It, yeah. It should have just is, been a yeah. story. In fact, it feels like Seth MacFarlane pitched a Star Trek show and Star Trek said, nah. No. And he's, and they made it anyway. They just didn't call You know what I mean? That's whatever. Yeah. No, it's absolutely right. But yeah, this show looks like it's, it's the, the, the humor is very interesting. It's definitely not something we're used to seeing uh, involved with Star Trek, it's uh, showrunners uh, was previously involved with Rick and Morty. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. the showrunner uh, also does Rick and Morty. So you can get it, it's a little bit of that kind of humor going yeah. on in, with Star yeah, yeah, Trek. Definitely. That's strange to think about, but there it is. <laughs> I like I, I like the clip they showed. I thought it was funny. Um, you know, and it, 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 I think I think it's the type of things that you kind of think about and talk about. Like not, nothing as as mundane as like how do they shower but stuff like well <laughs> what are what are the what are the grunts doing in the lower decks yeah so instead of focusing on the bridge crew or whatever else the glamorous things that in adventures you see now we get to see what you know doing the laundry on, on the starships like you know. <laughs> exactly so and i did i did think it was kind of interesting jerry o'connell is a voice uh he plays he's the one number the one crew, right yeah. well, he plays number one on that show <laughs> And he's married to Rebecca Romaine, 
who is number one. Number one on the other show. On the oh, other show. So they're hey. both number ones in Star Trek. So that was kind of an interesting <laughs> little funny thing. And then finally, they ended with a Picard panel, which I thought was really, really kind of cool. I mean, anytime I can listen to Patrick Stewart talk about stuff, he's such he a, could, what a, what a treasure that man they is. They could film him. They could film him sitting on a stool reading the phone book and I would tune in and watch it and enjoy it. Yeah. One of the the biggest uh, revelation from that panel was that he prefers the nickname Peace Do. <laughs> so yeah. somebody gave him that nickname. Uh, he even said what it, where it was, and I've forgotten. I had it in my notes, but I forgot. Yeah, it was um, a couple of years ago, I forgot. Somebody somebody called him Peace Do, and he he likes that one. So, uh, and that was because Allison Pill called him PS no SPS. SPS. Sir yeah. Patrick Stewart and so nobody knew who she was talking about at first. I mean, I knew immediately that <laughs> not, that's not even what she Patrick was saying. Stewart knew. Patrick Stewart was like, "What is she talking about?" And then she explained it, and then he told the story about peace Stew, and he's like, "That's so that's his that's preferred it. nickname." Now we know. And so now he, I will for, uh, forever refer to him as peace Stew. Yeah, peace Stew, Knight of the Realm, peace Stew, Sir, Sir, <laughs> Sir peace Stew. <laughs> But yeah, it was just, I thought that was an interesting panel. It was cool to hear. Marina Sirtis was. Oh, she's hilarious. She, she was really like. She might've been drunk. I don't I, know. I, that's what I'm wondering. What time was it wherever <laughs> she was? Because she kept interrupting and like, just, she was funny though. I mean, she's always been really funny and it's just. Oh, she was roasting which is, peace too. Exactly. But she's, it's such, which is so funny because her character on the, the show opposite. is so reserved mm-hmm. and she's the emotional one, the one who, and the then you get her and she's got that British accent and she's just like just bombastic and was just, it was so funny to see that, that clash, but yeah, she would, she really was trying to get all the attention for a while there. She kept trying to, when every time somebody would butter up peace to, um, she would try to bring them back down. She's like, no, his head's going to get too big. Yeah. It was pretty funny. We've had him trained for 30 years. Stop it. It's great. But he is just the most humble guy. I think in, for somebody who as accomplished as him, he he would he just doesn't so acknowledge kind, it. So right? humble. It's it's and you hear that from everybody who's ever known him or worked with him. So I mean, it it's gotta be true, right? Yeah. Anytime I've seen him in interviews, he's always been this very kind, humble um person. Uh that that Picard panel was my favorite part of the whole Star Trek universe panel. Yeah. Um and I think because it was, you know, it wasn't a table read, it wasn't a quick sort of Hey, here's a new show. This is what we're going to do. We're not going to break anything. Um, <laughs> and you know, there's there's something there's something you know when you've got P. Stu and Marina Sirtis and Jonathan Frakes and Brent Spiner, all from the you know original TNG cast. You know, there's so much history, yeah. and so many stories between them, and they're all best friends, like off screen too in real life. And you can just see that just kind of flowing in, and it just makes the the discussion between the cast so so interesting and so fun even if one of them was a little drunk. <laughs> Number two. So another really good panel that came out today was a Marvel 616. A lot of people may not have heard of this. It's a new show that's coming to Disney+. Plus. And Marvel 616, for those who may not be familiar, 616 is a number designation of... It's not which, an area code. No. It is which, uh, which Earth in the multiverse, the main Marvel canon uh, takes place right right so right. there's multiverse in the marvel universe and sometimes they tell stories that take place in these other parallel universes but the main crux of everything like that's the whole marvel universe yeah so Six, it's 616 is main. 616 is the main 
universe where everything takes place. So Marvel 616, the TV show, is a documentary anthology series that's going to follow various stories about the 80-year history of Marvel Comics. Can you believe that? 80 years. That's amazing. That's older than... Even me, it's most of the stuff we talk about is older than Aaliyah. This is actually older older than it's actually older than me. And hey, you're older than I am, Utah. So don't even. (laughs) Wow. It's even older than you. It's even older than me. I think you're uh, you got like a year on me, but either way. (laughs) But but that that year, I'm clinging to that. The um the documentaries are about different stories, and the very or the panel that we saw actually highlighted two of the episodes and two of the directors, and they were getting just interesting directors to do these. One of them is Gillian Jacobs from community. She played Britta, uh, GDB, uh, Britta. Anybody who's watched the show knows <laughs> what I'm talking about. She is directing for the first time a documentary. And what I thought was fascinating is she had never read a comic before she directing this. Not into comic books at all. Yeah. And normally yeah. I would be like, what? But this is a documentary. Like the whole point of a documentary is to go in and investigate and find stuff out and then you you reveal to everyone what you learned and uncovered and that kind of thing. So a lot of documentarians don't go in necessarily as perfect experts of this this thing that they're documenting. And so uh, this to me proved to be a, a fascinating when she's doing the history of women in Marvel, not just not just as characters, but as writers and artists and executives and all that kind of stuff. And I thought that was kind of fascinating. What did you guys think? One thing that I did find very interesting about Jillian's documentary was how she decided to go after women's roles that weren't necessarily, I guess you could say highlighted or would be commonly approved in traditional society uh, amongst the Marvel community, um, but then also within Marvel itself. So when she was talking about Ms. Marvel, the Muslim superhero, Mm -hmm. I thought that was very compelling because you don't normally hear about ethnic, seeing the, I guess you could say the underdogs and women really taking the stage and just um, exemplifying them. I appreciated that. And like you said, especially since she didn't have any type of comic book background and then taking it upon herself to learn, actively learn and engage and be kind of like that open book and learning the role that she needed to play. Um, so that way she could make this documentary uh, episode compelling. I thought that was uh, really, really inspiring. Yeah. And they no, showed that in. clip from it and th- where they introduced Ms. Marvel and just how I thought that was kind of really an interesting, I mean, I've always, I've known that that was like a controversial top, you know, idea at the time uh, it shouldn't have been but it was yeah. you know what i mean it was. it was just like and just very recently too i mean yeah, yeah. just a, f- a couple of years right right but just that nobody had told a story from a young muslim girl <laughs> those are three things a young female and muslim, muslim. right uh three things that were untouched and mm-hmm. just not usually from their perspective and then ms marvel comes along and 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 becomes huge. And I think that was uh, the, the, the author, the writer that they got. I remember in the clip, she was like, you're crazy. (laughs) Like what? Nobody's, why would this work? You know? And, and she's Muslim. She's speaking from her own experience. She just Mm -hmm. didn't think it would catch on. And, and, uh, and it did. And so that's, that was kind of fascinating. Uh, It was really impressive to hear that uh, Gillen Jacobs, you know, did her due diligence. I mean, she, 
was not interested in comics growing up, had nothing to do with the comics universe at all. And she, like Elia said, she just dove right in and, um, you know, became the director and, and, and uh, the person that she needed to be in order to get more out of this and be able to give more for this for her episode and from what i understand she's kind of a fan now too so that's cool i was going to say even just for young women that are listening out there even if you don't have a interest in comics she's i don't want to expose her age but she is older and (laughs) not seasoned just (laughs) (laughs) yes not seasoned just older um and she's you know taking an interest in it um now you know it i think that speaks volumes for um if you don't have an interest in something in this at in in this instance comics you know you might there might be that one thing that they were speaking in regards to um on the panel that will catch your catch your eye or your interest and kind of start that um that that journey for you yeah and paul shear was one of the other directors of an episode and he, you may remember, if you saw him, you'd know exactly what I'm talking about. He's been in a ton of shows, the he league. Has, yeah. um, you, he's, he's a, somebody that you would recognize, but maybe not recognize his name, but he's actually worked in comics and has written comics and is also a huge fan of comics. And his episode is about the kind of lesser known heroes and villains that are out there. And that part was cracking me up because I, I vaguely remember a couple of the ones they said. Other ones I'm I like, wrote them down. Did those actually exist? Tell us what they were, Leah. Because uh, so one was the Wizard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh wait, wasn't the Bestest Woman one? Was that yeah. a real one? No, it was woman? Asbestos Reed. I believe that's what uh, they her name was. <laughs> right. What the? Uh, what else? Uh, Doctor Druid. Doctor Druid. Doctor. Doctor Druid. <laughs> I probably pronounced that wrong. Uh, wait, that was that was the Dr. one that Druid. basically. Was like a ripoff of Doctor Strange in a Doctor bathroom. Strange, yeah, 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 yeah. So. yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, which is their own character that they ripped off too, which right? is I, hilarious. Typeface and that poor that was guy. the best one. <laughs> that was my favorite. Oh my gosh! So this. Oh no! Wait, what about Hellcow? Yeah, that would. That uh, was yeah, great. that was a good one. Well, but Typeface basically <laughs> didn't he? He lost his job or when or sign business well, went out of business. And so he uses the letters and puts like R on his forehead for revenge and you throws letters at people. And they're just like, what is, what is happening? Blocks. Yeah. (laughs) Just, just crazy. But yeah, these, these characters existed. I I can't wait to watch that episode, but the whole show, the whole series basically is going to be a different director taking on a different story. So it's very anthological. It is an anthology and like I said, each director will come at it with their own voice, with their own preconceived notions, with their own questions. And we'll see exactly see the Marvel Universe from like a different perspective each time. I, I'm looking forward to that. That's to me, that sounds really, really interesting. No, it sounds great. I, I And I'm hoping that they didn't choose the two most interesting or compelling stories to uh, to spotlight on the panel. <laughs> right. Yeah. Even like when they were with the. Uh, um... Paul Shear, when they were talking about the, uh, oh, I can't remember the gentleman that took over Black Panther, but Black Panther really wasn't yeah. uh, as prevalent as it is now. Um, and then he was saying, and this kind of alludes back to what I was um, speaking in reference to with uh, Jillian, you know, a lot of people might not have been hip or, you know, up to date with Black Panther prior to, you know, his de- debut 
uh, film, but that might that might be the segue for you to get into you know comics or Marvel movies or whatever the case may be. Uh, that's coming out soon, right? Just uh, I don't remember the date it's coming out, mm-hmm. but there say, is six episodes. Yeah, yeah. I want to say August, but that feels right. <laughs> <laughs> We're so informative. <laughs> <laughs> Number three. Amazon Prime really came out strong. I feel they had several panels going on. There were two in particular. Well, there's three in particular, but we're saving one of them for one of our other uh, numbers here. But there's two that I want to talk about real quick. Uh, One was called Truth Seekers. This is a new show from Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, who are the geniuses behind Shaun of the Dead. All the, all of the, what was the... Hot Fuzz at World's End. There was uh, yeah, that one wasn't as good. But anyway, (laughs) but uh, both of them are hilarious. Very very funny. Yeah, that's true. They are very funny. And this Truth Seeker show is basically follows Nick Frost, who is a broadband engineer who is basically (laughs) uh, installs your internet. I think is what he does. His name Ned too. Is I feel Uh, like his name was Ned. I don't remember. But he that's a great name for that, right? Yeah. He decides to start investigating supernatural phenomenon and ghosts and things like that. So it's a, it's a real send up of X-Files and ghost hunters. And it's, a, it's like a mix of all these and YouTube. That's what Nick Frost said is like all of these things to combine where you can find an exorcism videos on YouTube. And it's like for a moment, there's that creepy like, is this real? And then you're like, no, this is garbage. It's not, it's not but, uh, <laughs> but, but the one thing that I really liked about the panel and what they told us was going to happen with this show is that. It's like it's a horror comedy. And if you saw Shaun of the Dead, they don't they let the horror be horrific. Right. And the comedy is like its own thing. So this show is going to be scary. I think it's going to have some really like frightening and scary moments. (laughs) But then obviously there's going to be a lot of hilarity, too, because these guys are hilarious. No, I think I think, uh, you know, that's that's what makes their stuff so good is, you know, they when they combine comedy and horror, the comedy isn't from making fun of the horror. It's sort of making fun of the situation or or um, you know something else. But the horror is still horror. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, it looks good. I'm always on board if it's you know Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, just because I'm a big fan of all their other stuff. So. Oh yeah, all the way back to Spaced, their sitcom. Yeah, they did. right. So, yeah. oh my gosh, so funny. <laughs> those those guys are funny when they're uh, together. And um, it, uh, Nick Frost, I believe, is the the main character in this. Simon Pegg mm-hmm. has a, an incredible wig and plays his boss, I think. But I don't know that he's like the necessarily a main character. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it. If you watch the trailer, and that's again that dropped today because of this, so you can find that on YouTube. I'll include a link in the show notes. Check that out because it it looks like it's going to be really fun. And I uh, I I can't stand those ghost hunter shows. My one of my daughters <laughs> likes to watch those, even though she makes fun of them or whatever. But for this to be kind of a send up of that, I you know that I'm I'm looking forward to that. It's ripe. It's ripe for comedy. Oh, yeah. That, that genre of television. <laughs> so it's actually a UK production that's coming to Amazon Prime. So that is kind of like uh, an interesting, you know, the whole thing is UK, a UK production. It all takes place in the UK. It's not something that, you know, that they're bringing over and Americanizing. So it's still going to have their 
distinct UK humor that they, you know, that they're known for. And so I'm looking forward to that. The other show that Amazon Prime premiered today or talked about was Utopia. Now, the interesting thing about this, this also was a British show, a UK show that right. uh, came out on the BBC and the HBO or I think it was HBO wanted to do so it here HBO. with David Fincher and somehow that didn't work. And now Amazon Prime has picked it up and Gillian Flynn, who was behind Sharp Objects and Gone Girl, she is the one running this show and writing this show. So she took the British show and tried to figure out how to make it work in America. So it's a very different, from what I understand, it's kind of the, a similar plot, but they've, they're doing their own thing. And it's, so it's not just Americanizing something that, you know, was, you know, basically shot for shot over here. And then we're just going to do it over here, but like worse. The first up, like, like the first episode of The Office. Like, yeah. Like sometimes we do. This is literally like, she's just like, well, wh- let me take that over here. How would it work in our society with our culture and with our, um, you know, news media and things like, how would this all play out in America? And so that's, so it's going to be interesting to see that take. It stars John Cusack and Rain Wilson. So that's kind of cool. John Cusack, I haven't seen him in much of anything lately. Now he is going to be on this show. It's eight episodes, um, limited series. Maybe there'll be a second series. Who knows? But that's the, the initial. And the plot, I guess I didn't mention the plot. Maybe you, if I mentioned the plot, you would decide if you were interested in the show or not. <laughs> Aren't you just interested because John Cusack and Rain Wilson? Because that, well, that's enough yeah. for me. But no, the plot is what I thought was really kind of interesting is the, the concept is it's about nerds, comic book nerds, who start to realize that this conspiracy that's listed or that plays out in this graphic novel series actually is, seems like it may actually be happening in, re, in the real world. And so it, there's I guess there's comedy, there's drama, there's there's sci-fi there's a lot of interesting things going on so something for everybody yeah and so amazon prime is kind of knocking it out of the park because they've got some very interesting shows coming uh for nerds and and when does utopia come out do you remember oh i don't know sometime in august <laughs> everything's everything's coming out <laughs> everything's in august. coming out in august <laughs> it just says tentative release date around the fall of 2020 so which means next year but again there is a trailer and again i will put it in show notes Number four. Speaking of Amazon Prime, the <laughs> big show that they that they showed today though was one of my favorite superhero shows, kind of period. Ever. I just yeah. feel like it's one of the most unique takes on the superhero genre that I've ever seen. It's also the show I recommend the least to people. <laughs> and it's called The Boys. So the boys, yeah, the boys. No, the boys is based on a comic series. The comic series is incredibly graphic, oh, it's super, super incredibly graphic, incredibly dark. dark, incredibly raunchy, um, pretty twisted. And so I was like, why would I be interested in this show? I I actually started the comic, thought it was a really interesting premise, and it got so bad that I just stopped reading. I just didn't oh. like it. But when the when the show came out, I was like, all right, I'm gonna. I'm going to see what, you know, how this looks. Now, the show is dark still. It is violent. It does deal with very mature subject matter. But I feel that it is worlds better than the comic in how it tells the story, how the characters develop. 
like everything about this show improves upon what the comic did. So, oh yeah, it's that's where I feel. Balance. This is where I'm so conflicted because I can't. It's like it's one of those shows. I just I think it's brilliantly written, brilliantly acted, has a just really just challenges social commentary and conventions, and it's you know goes all the right directions that that art can go, but it's so dark and violent that I can't recommend it to most of my friends because I feel like it would be too much for them. So it's definitely not for the faint of heart. I agree with you. The boys uh, is probably my favorite superhero TV show uh, for, for exactly what, uh, for exactly why you stated, because it, it takes a very different tack on, on presenting superheroes about how, what if superheroes uh, actually did exist and well, would they be, they wouldn't necessarily be the whole Superman in his fortress of solitude doing his own thing and protecting the world. They very probably would be corporate, be part of corporate America somehow and be marketed and um, social media, yeah, social media and just, you know, and then you get into the actual personalities of these people because they're not going to be the Boy Scout that Superman is. They will be human in a way where they have flaws and how uh, they say that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. That's certainly bound to happen. Uh, and they may do horrible, heinous things that will make ordinary people um, really dislike them mm. and perhaps even want revenge. <laughs> right. Well, that that's uh, in the panel. Actually, they spoke about a little bit about that, that it's, it's, and, and, and most comic books there, it is power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. But in this situation, what they're trying to draw out in this show is how it, it these people were already bad people. And Do you know what I mean? Power, it's like yeah. the powers draw out the worst. The worst. It's kind of like imagine somebody that you that you don't like who's just not a nice person and they got powers. Well, and we already have seen it in our society with Me Too and some of the other things. When celebrities who we've admired for years and we love their work and we see them doing charity stuff, and then we find out that they've they've abused their spouses or they've abused you know coworkers on the set or whatever, yeah. right? That, yep, yep. And we're like, oh my gosh, that person is a is a terrible person, and that's kind of what this is. So it's like they didn't suddenly become terrible; they now have more access and more power to be able to lord over people. That's a definitely a good point. Um, and it's also interesting that, you know, a lot of times in superhero shows, uh, a lot of the powers are uh, somehow either just appear through mutant, being a mutant or, you know, uh, some kind of lab uh, accident. But in this show, it's almost as if uh, they were, the corporation is trying to make supers and right. they don't care who. Right. And this is why you get the terrible people with <laughs> right. powers. Right. So. And some of them are good. Some of them are bad. But the idea right. is, and the boys in this show, they are a group of, a ragtag group of guys who, <laughs> um, and one female, the the female they call her. Right. Kimiko, I think is her actual yeah. name. But uh, she's the one female. I think they just call her the female for the longest time. Um, but yeah, they are guys who want, to stop these supers who basically are like, these guys have power that they're lording over and using to do terrible things. And who is going to police them 
well, it, I guess it's got to be us. And they don't have powers, most of them. So right. that's what's right. kind of fun. It's like, how are they going to do this? But yeah, I it's it's very graphic violence, like very. Um, and uh, but I just it's such it's such a well told story. I'm so torn. It's one of those like I can't recommend it, but I also can't recommend it enough. Does that make sense? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah no, I'm so a, torn with that show because it's so good and so, so well good, written but, and it has so much interesting things to say, but it, but it does so not, in a way that's for not everybody. for everybody. So I just want to warn folks that it's definitely not for everybody. So this please. is not your kid's superhero show. <laughs> yes. If you put this on <laughs> and are horrified because, uh, and then you blame me, I did warn you. I'm just going to say that. They announced that it has already been approved for a third season. So and season two has season even two drops yet. September 4th on Amazon Prime. We get three episodes right off the bat. And then every week after that, the finale is uh, early October, I believe. And then uh, season three has already been greenlit. So they just need we just need to get out of their houses so they can actually produce it so they actually do that's it. what's uh that's what seth rogan actually joked about it's like if we if we can ever see each other again we're gonna make this so <laughs> that is uh that is good news so season three has already been approved it's gonna be interesting to see where they go next i we still don't know how they're going this the, oh the other announcement was that um there's gonna be an after show now so just like right. talking dead for walking dead there's uh, aisha tyler who also hosted the panel is last year and this year at, at Comic-Con. She yes. is hosting an after show where she'll talk to some of the actors and producers about the show and where it's going and what they think. Just like if you, so if you enjoyed Talking Dead and that kind of stuff and you enjoyed this show, this is a chance to get some behind the scenes uh, insight as to why these characters are doing the cra- crazy degenerate things that they're doing. <laughs> and Aisha Tyler is a great, great moderator, great host. Oh yeah, I love uh, She's great. Number five. Very excited about this. I didn't know that I would be, to be honest with you, because this is a movie that we have been talking about in pop culture world for years now. And at this point, I'm kind of like, it's got to be awful. Who cares? I just had lost interest in this at all until the panel today. The panel I'm talking about was the one for the New Mutants, which is... A Marvel film that Fox initiated when they were still Fox and not part of the Disney uh, world. It's been delayed so many times. Years. Since 2018. Yeah. Years. And now that it's Disney owns, people are wondering, because it was the supposed to be the first Marvel movie that's actually like a horror movie. So it was it was a horror movie. I think at some point they were they were saying it might be rated R. I don't know if that has changed or what. Oh, that would be that would be cool if they if they kept that. Yeah, I have no idea. Or they were saying that it could be. You know, there was all these rumors, ton, tons sure. of rumors surrounding this for for a long time. And the, the initial trailer that I saw really, really kind of like leaned in hard on the horror. Like it looked like a horror movie. And and I was just like, okay, this looks all right. What, what is whatever? You know, we'll just bring it out. And the fact that they have not released it has made some people think. Oh, it must be awful, right? Yeah. Or 
uh, or maybe it's, you know, so good they're waiting for the right time. I don't know. But that's the range of emotion that fans have been going through. And today on the panel, they actually showed the first like three, four, five minutes. Yeah, they show, showed the first scene. Literally they, from the, the opening too. credits. Literally from the 20th century logo. Yeah, from the fanfare all the way through. All the way through the Marvel flip book thingy uh, into like the opening sequences. And uh, that was interesting. I was very interested in that. But when they dropped the full trailer. Yeah, that trailer was fantastic. What? is going on like fantastic they definitely you know jumped away from the horror and started showing more of these mutant powers and showing like i was just like okay now this looks like an x-men movie what's happening and that so, they still kept the horror there's so, oh yeah there's some, there's yeah no it's still there but i'm just saying like <laughs> n- like now it really did feel like a marvel movie like what's going right. like this is very different i loved it and this is actually like kind of the first i'm not i was not on the the comic book i was not a part of the comic book groups or whatever and in 2018 i was still getting hip um (laughs) but fast forward to 2020 i am still getting hip but um more more hip than i was anyways i love the fact that what is her name Maisie, who plays aria uh, forever love that girl like (laughs) i it's hard it it's hard but i also love the fact that um She's playing a different role, and she even talked about that um, on the panel. You know, playing a role in as Arya, uh, you know, this aggressive, you know, kind of. I don't, I don't know the correct adjective to describe her, but very definitely uh, aggressive, assertive. Yeah, you know that like uh, that that lead role of a, of a woman. You know, yes. even though she was young, young at that time, to her being a, apparently, as she she stated, you know, kind of more shy and reserved, and not as she was as Arya. So I am interested to see her play that role, and you know, her diversity in as an actress. And then it is, I am actually very excited about this because I know that I've stated this previously, but one of my biggest pet peeves is when Marvel movies or, you know, comic books don't accurately depict a person's superpower. And I just really want to see someone like rage out with their powers. And I feel as though this might be that, that, uh, that energy I've been looking for. Mm -hmm. So I am very, very excited. I am in total agreement with you, Leah. Um, and, and with you, Jeff, because I, since 2018, they mentioned New Mutants, and they very much hit hard and focused on the horror aspect of it. And it didn't really look compelling to me at all, uh, just because, and I'm sure, and, and part of it was my own bias and the fact that Fox just couldn't seem to get uh, Mutants uh, or the X-Men quite right. You know, they they were hit or miss with those. Uh, first Class was great. Uh, the first two X-Men movies uh, were good, uh, and but then they were hit or miss. Uh but I did like the fact that they were doing the new mutants because I thought that it was good to go younger and do a different group of mutants than what most people are, are used to seeing. Uh, but you know what? This panel really changed my mind. It turned me mm-hmm. around. Uh, seeing the cast and hearing them talk about their, their part in it, uh, they all were very, uh, they, they were very impressive in terms of their knowledge of the character and what they brought to it. And... I love the scene. I thought the opening scene was very interesting. The trailer was fantastic, oh. like I said before. That there were plenty of uh, great powers shown, and there there's also still that horror aspect of it that uh, was, for whatever reason, not 
turning me on towards the movie before, but now somehow mixed in in the trailer with the superpowers. And now, like you said, Jeff, now I recognize the mutants from the Marvel Universe, and now I see where this could go. Um, and I feel like they've been delaying it because they have no idea how to market this movie. Yeah, <laughs> I think you're right. Really? They yeah, have it's... no idea. That they, 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 because if they skew too much to horror, they're going to cut out a, a big demographic. But if they skew too much to the comic book side, then there's another demographic that they're going to lose. And so they're, I, I feel like they're just trying to figure out how to best market it. Which is why they're just pushing out the trailer. It's right. the easiest way to do that. Yeah, and I think they they, they hit the the, tra the trailer they dropped today was a good balance in my opinion. Mm -hmm. it, it definitely balanced it out really well. Although in terms of the horror side, there was two scenes that really stood out to me outside of that opening because I couldn't, you know, when she just like opened her eyes and all this stuff was happening, you know. But the pool scene where you see like that hand going up, yeah, going up the back, that one, and then the scene where. I believe they're in a room and you just see all of these faces coming out coming of them, the like, walls. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know that stuff? Yeah. Although, yeah. you know the face with the mask? You know, like that, that, uh, yeah, white the, face the, with the those, those creatures with like that mask and they take the face off and it's like this elongated, weird face with a big mouth. I'm like, Ugh. yeah, yeah. It kind of like the mask kind of reminded me of the, uh, anime. Um, yeah, like from Princess Mononoke. Yeah, 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 yeah. Princess Mononoke. Or there was another one. What is it? Maybe Spirited Away, is that the one? Yes, that's the other yeah. one, Spirited Away, yeah. yes. No, it's true. It, it, the, the visuals look great. And you know, it, and the fact that they've had this film in the can for a couple of years now, um, it does make me wonder if they went back and did any extra editing or added anything to it or if you know what we're going to see is what they finished a couple of years ago. Um, but the trailer looks great. And uh, this, this is one of those times where the panel seeing the panel turns my opinion around and all of a sudden I think I'm going to actually check it out. That happened with Supernatural. So. And they said that the release date should be August 28th. Ah, this one's in August. <laughs> <laughs> that one felt right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and the, the, the cool thing about this is that uh, they, they kind of came right out and said it. We People have been assuming this based on, you know, some, or I guess they pretty much said it before, but, now in the panel, it's confirmed that it's based on the Demon Bear Saga, which was mm -hmm. yes a certain, which was like a three issue like miniseries in the New Mutants comic that came out back in the eighties, and it was about I want to say like seventeen or eighteen, nineteen issues in, and up until that point, it had still been pretty much just an uh, X Men Junior type of right. comic, yeah. and this was when it really turned the corner and started becoming more adult. In fact, they even like marketed, marketed it as uh, you can't call them X babies anymore. I think at the time or something like that, because, Oh, that's right. You know, they, they kind of came into their own and Bill Sinkowitz was the author or the artist at the time. And he was involved in helping the look at the movie. Yeah. Bringing about the look of the movie. So I, I just, now I'm just way more interested now. I'm way more invested. I don't like, been very disappointed with where the X-Men franchise went. Yep. Uh, did not like what Fox was doing with it. I was one of those rooting and cheering like crazy when Disney bought Fox because I'm like, finally, we're going to get like real X-Men <laughs> movies again. Um, or And Fantastic Four, obviously, is, is with that yeah. too. I wanted to see. So I was very, very excited. So that, I think a lot of that 
disappointment in where the X-Men have gone is part of why I was kind of like, who cares about this? You know, yep. and it's just like, oh, so it's it's the same people who have screwed up the X-Men are going to screw up New Mutants. And, the mutants yep. and now I don't feel that way as much. It, it, they're definitely going in a different direction. I mean, it doesn't look like it's happening at uh, the X-Mansion. It doesn't look like, you know, they're students of Xavier at this time, which is how it was in the comics. It looks like they're taking all these, bringing these characters together in a different way but still telling a similar story, which is fine because um, it's a totally new medium. You can do whatever you want, but just make it good, right? Make it compelling. If what if you're what you're going to change, make it a change for the better. That's my argument whenever they decide to do. That's what I think they did with the boys. As I said before, the comic was yep. not that great. The show is great. If you're going to fix, if you're going to make, if you're going to change it, change it for the better. It Maybe that's what they've done. We're going to see, but I'm very, very excited for this. And I Ditto. wasn't before. <laughs> All right. Well, those are the top five panels that we saw today. We were very excited to share those with you. Hopefully, uh, you actually, I, we named six. I cheated by throwing two in the one, right? But still, there's the top, the top five, and they were uh, exciting. We hope that you'll take a look at those. I'll put the links in the show notes. They're only going to be there as long as San Diego Comic Con leaves them up. So, but I, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, uh, if you're listening to it late, well, I apologize if they're not there anymore. That's on you. You should subscribe to the podcast so that you get it immediately and can listen to it the day that it comes out, which is every Friday. So make sure that you do that. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and talk a little bit more about some of the panels that we saw that were kind of interesting that we did want to share and then preview what else you might be looking to try to see this weekend at San Diego Comic-Con. Don't go anywhere. Hey, everybody, we hope you're enjoying The Podcast is Real, which is the official podcast here at World Gone Geek. We hope you enjoy the website, worldgonegeek.com, which is a parody and satire site of pop culture news. We really enjoy doing it, so we hope that you enjoy reading it and listening to the podcast. But many of you have asked, how can you help? What can you do to support the podcast? Well, most importantly, spread the word. Let people know what's going on. Follow us on Facebook follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram, share the tweets, share the posts, share the grams, whatever. All of those things go a long way in letting people know that we're here. People jump on these things and listen to podcasts, mostly via word of mouth. So tell people what we're doing. We'd love that. Another way you can support us is by, in your favorite podcast app, find a way to give us a review. Give us five stars, uh, tell people that you like what we're talking about, whatever. But if you were to vote, especially on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify, if you were just to click those favorite buttons or those stars, that would be huge. It helps us rise up the list. It helps us be noticed by more people and therefore more people will start to listen. And finally, if you'd like to get involved in a really concrete way, we do have a Patreon account, patreon.com slash worldgonegeek. We have several tiers there where you can actually support the podcast financially, even as low as $2 a month. Did you know that if we ended up with 10 patrons at just $2 a month, that would help pay for one of the hosting costs for one of the things that we're doing here. So we would love it if you'd be able to do that. We totally understand if you can't, there's plenty of other ways to help, as I said before. But I do want to let you guys know about the Patreon account because right now this would be a sponsor break and we don't have any sponsors yet because we just got started. We're just getting rolling. Once we have a lot more listeners and a lot more of a following, we could maybe look into that. But in the meantime, we'd love to have your support in all the ways that I just described. If there's any of those things that you feel in your heart that you'd like to do to be a part of the show, 
we'd appreciate it. Most importantly, though, I am so glad that you are listening. Thank you. Thank you for downloading this podcast and listening because that means uh, the world to me. We're not just talking out into the air that there are people on the other end actually appreciating what we do. Thanks so much for being there. Let's get back to the show. All right, welcome back. We're still talking about San Diego Comic-Con. We just got done speaking about all of the cool panels that we got to see today. But we're also going to give you a quick preview of some of the panels that we're looking forward to over the weekend that maybe you want want to keep an eye out for. You saw one about uh, conspiracies, right? Tell us what that was about. Yeah, so this was actually a, and I believe it was like a podcast, a group group of podcasters, um, that decided to do a podcast, or I'm sorry, a panel on conspiracy theories and propaganda throughout pop culture. Mm. J.D. Lombardi, which is the host and producer of U2's Lombardi's Lab, um, Justin Montgomery, who has his own little side thing, uh, Guadalupe, uh, Guadalupe and J.D. Lombardi are both science teachers so they provided a very unique very cool uh, mm -hmm, a very unique and scientific approach to conspiracy theories as well as um just propaganda within uh mass media and i'm 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 gonna just throw out real quick that this was actually from a wednesday panel which really a lot of those focus on education i'm I'm saying this so that if people want to go check this out not to be confused, this is actually on Wednesday, and that's why there are educators involved in that. So, so what did they what did they talk about? They talked about you know what an actual conspiracy theory is, um, you know the controversy between it, what we think a, con- a conspiracy theory is versus what, and I say we as in general people, but apparently we don't know how to look at a dictionary. I don't know, <laughs> 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 um, but they gave the definition just so that way those that didn't know what conspiracy theories were. They can be enlightened. And then they gave some, they gave a pretty good quote, and I'll just read that out to you. It is from Alan Moore, the author of Watchmen, and it says, conspiracy theorists believe conspiracy because that is more comforting. The truth is far more frightening. Nobody Mm. is in control. The world is rudderless. So that's kind of how they started this uh, panel. Mm -hmm. That's a very Um, Alan Moore thing to say. That's absolutely Alan Moore. (laughs) recognizably Alan Moore. Yeah. So I will ask you one of the questions that they, you know, that they uh, asked each other and that they were kind of presenting. They did three different segments within the panel. Why are conspiracies so ingrained in our entertainment? And then are comics and movie fans more susceptible to conspiracy theories? Mm. Yeah. You guys have any answers? Those are interesting. Those are good questions. I would think that, and this is just, this is just my opinion. Uh, my feeling is that comic book fans and movie fans, I would say probably aren't as susceptible just because they see, read, and experience fantastic things that don't necessarily, extraordinary things happening uh, in fantastical uh, places and things. And so there's a lot of fiction there. And I think they recognize the fiction. Um, so I, that's what I feel like. What was the first question? <laughs> <laughs> Why are conspiracies so ingrained in our entertainment? Oh, um, uh, AKA Hydra is shield. That was one of them. Mm. Oh, hail Hydra. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, I don't know. Maybe 
I feel like that's, I guess, in corollary to what I just said, fiction also happens to be a very easy way to disseminate information that isn't necessarily correct. So I guess that's why it's fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, when you put a conspiracy theory down in a very nice, easy to um, absorb uh, delivery mechanism like a comic book or a television show or something else then it makes it easier for someone to kind of fall into that um which then also sort of contradicts what i just said about the second question i guess about how comic book fans and movie fans aren't as susceptible but maybe they still aren't even though that's the easy that's an easy content delivery mechanism so i don't know i think i i think when when you just were saying about fictions, uh, it reminded me of a Stephen King quote, and I'm a huge Stephen King fan, where he said, fiction is a lie, and good fiction is the truth inside the lie. Oh, yeah. Because there's yeah, yeah. a little That's bit a quote. of truth. I mean, why is Stephen King's books so scary? It's because he tries to find things that are relatively normal, <laughs> you know, everyday life, and then make them supernatural or... Yeah terrifying you know whether it be a car or whatever and right now so many people feel like we're living through the stand right where this disease was you know released onto the the people this super flu and it you know there was a conspiracy involved there of course it also involved uh randall flag and basically devil and like all these other things there are a couple other things other things going on but it but it all centered in a government lab and all this kind of stuff and that's and that's what a lot of people believe occurred with this you know, even if that government lab was in China or whatever, you know, the the reigning theory is at the time. But uh, I feel like that's it, it's interesting. Uh, do comic comic readers and pop culture people believe those more? I don't know. That's a good that's a really good question. I would say if you looked at my Facebook feed right now. Uh, no, most of the people who are spreading the conspiracy theories right now are not people I would associate not- with, with uh pop culture, pop culture or... people well i know Aliyah's spreading some of those right now she's there's a couple well no, a couple of them are compelling and th- and that's why they're interesting Raccoons. right because they're compelling um th- the wayfair thing that was going on i was like well that's kind of interesting like mm-hmm. what you know it's just weird enough to to be sort of compelling but then there's also enough you know things to kind of lead away from that being true but i feel like a lot of people um I, one of the things that i keep telling and, and here's the thing, so many different conspiracies, so many things that people are saying, memes that are incorrect, uh, fact-checked articles, all this kind of stuff. And I find myself doing, this is why I just try to stay out of the politics on Facebook anymore. Um, it's because I am not a Trump supporter, but I find myself defending him whenever it, someone says something that's clearly false, right? Like, I feel like the truth is horrible enough <laughs> right. right it doesn't need to be like there's plenty of true things that you could say right that we don't right. have to make up new things or misread or take out of context things that weren't to paint this person as somebody that you don't like do you know what i'm saying so to me it's like for every lie or every propaganda or conspiracy lie that a meme spreads that's one less thing that when what that makes people want to believe the things that are true 
because mm-hmm. they find out that was a lie. And they're like, well, what about this other thing? That's probably a lie too. Maybe all the things they're saying are lies about him. And it's all just a liberal agenda trying to, you know, bring down the president and blah, blah, blah. You know? And I'm like, so, so stop spreading the false, right? And focus on the truth because the truth is scary enough. enough. (laughs) (laughs) And it was interesting because you said you were talking about the virus and that was one thing that they did bring up in terms of uh, examples. So a few examples that they gave, and actually I want to say this before I get into the examples. So one of the, the hosts, he had a whiteboard behind him of some. Oh, that's what conspiracy theorists, theorists use, <laughs> right? Whoa! So he had a few things on written on the whiteboard. Uh, they were Magneto was right. Mm. Um, he was right. <laughs> the The court of our the court of owls runs Gotham. Okay. Tupac well, is yeah. alive, and it's a lovely day, or it's a lovely it's lovely weather for chemtrails. So just oh, I like that one. Mm -hmm. I actually have a neighbor who believes in chemtrails. We always have fun (laughs) discussions. So um, some of the examples that he did give was the legacy virus with uh, the mutants. So blame the mutants and you know make everyone think that they're horrible and this is why you should lock them up and keep them as slaves and kill them or whatever. But then they kind of compared it to COVID and um, you know made it. And that's why people think it's like some sort of propaganda or maybe some sort of a conspiracy theory, um, you know, in in the comic book realm. And then uh, the Watchmen was another example. Um, So the one gentleman said every good conspiracy needs solid propaganda. For example, Spider-Man Far From Home with. um, Well, with Mysterio. Yeah. That's a good example. Um, and then they had a few more questions, and this one was in regards to propaganda. They did get, a, they did dive or delve a little bit further into um, the scientific reason um, with the the two science science teachers, but those ones I weren't too savvy with, just because it was interesting. They were just trying to teach people how you know to educate yourself, not to ask why or you know because that is a good thing, but. Be be in critical thinkers when you're deciding what is, you know, a conspiracy theory. So another question I have for you guys is what makes good or believable propaganda work in pop culture? And then what makes these characters effective or realistic? You want me to read the first question again? Yeah, because I'm going to ask about the first question because I forgot it already. (laughs) (laughs) What makes good or believable propaganda work in pop culture? Oh, I think there's a certain talent to making things that aren't true seem true. Um, and I feel like, you know, I mean, I think we all know that there's there's a certain line where something is believable, but then all you have to do is add like um, a unicorn. And then all of a sudden people are like, oh, well, obviously that's that's not that's not true. But if you take the unicorn out and replace it with a horse, um, this is a horrible analogy. Um, <laughs> people, but if, if, if you just like sprinkle in a little bit of conspiracy over something that sounds plausible, I think that's, that's really the recipe for it. Because for me, the thing that, that I always use in my head as a thermometer about conspiracies is, well, let me think about how many people would have to keep this a secret. 
And mm -hmm. the more people that have to keep it a secret, the higher the probability that there will be failure of keeping it a secret. Right. So that's so how that, I judge a real conspiracy. Well, right. You know, that, that's it's one of those things. Like uh, I think one of my uh, one of the examples I've always used is all right. If you believe that we never went to the moon, uh, I think uh, multiple, that was one of their. Multiple, the multiple people have calculated that it would take almost half a million people to keep their mouths shut about not mm -hmm. going to the moon because that's how many people were involved in the actual engineering of, of that mission. And so if you've got half a million people that are trying to keep the secret, the probability of that being successful since 1967 is very slim. <laughs> So, so <laughs> yeah. right there off the bat, I'm thinking, mm, no, I think we actually did go to the moon. I'm not sure that it was a big conspiracy to make us think we went there. So I don't even know uh, if I answered any questions. You, <laughs> <laughs> you did. And I'll go on to the second one. Unless Jeff, do you have anything to add to that? No, I think I, I'm, I'm on the same page. It's, you, you need to, you have just enough truth. I mean, it's just like satire, right? So one of the things we try to do on World Gone Geek website is write satire, and I haven't done it in a while, so the articles on there are very old. But the 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 reason satire works is because it's just close enough to something that you might believe is true, that uh, and that's why it's funny, right? Because you know you you, you said something absurd, but it, there's just enough truth in it. You're like, oh my gosh, this world is just crazy enough where that might be a true story. Right. And so the best satire does that. The onion is flipping genius at pulling yeah, that kind of stuff is, off. Yeah. They're so good. Um, Babylon B is another There's great another good one. One that does that. And World Gun Geek is uh, if it would write is, more than 10 I, articles. I, I would say <laughs> I would say that World Gun Geek rounds out the triumvirate of satire sites <laughs> on the Internet. Um, but yeah, the whole idea, you know, you could you could almost imagine that that that's you could almost imagine it's true. And some people share it as true, and you have to point out um, this is the onion, you know, and, and then you're like, right. oh yeah, duh, um, and that's that's good satire. And I think conspiracy is kind of the same way. There's enough of it that's true that when you throw the false stuff in, people just gobble it up. You know what I mean? Because they're mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, that that sounds right. That sounds like something Trump would say, you know, or that right. sounds like something Biden would do, or whatever. You know what I mean? And and, and a lot of it's confirmation bias, right? So if, uh, right. if you already believe that Biden is a, a bad person or that Trump is a bad person, and then I say some outrageous thing about either one of them, depending on which person you are, you're gonna com you're gonna confirm that bias by saying, oh yeah, that sounds exactly like something that person would do, mm -hmm. and now now all of a sudden it's it's a quote unquote fact that you're going to share on Facebook. And I, I think that's where a lot of these conspiracies come from. It's, it's just believable enough that, I mean, like the Wayfair thing, like, is that true or not? Like we really don't know, but there's, there's some compelling things. And then there's others that are just beyond the mm -hmm. pale. Like there's no way that's true. And it's so, Chrissy Teigen. yeah, there's just some, it's, it's, it's hard. Like, like I don't, I, you know, I don't want that Wayfair thing to be true, but you know, Human trafficking is a gigantic problem in the world today. And it's one we don't talk about. And so if, if this conspiracy is getting people talking great, but not if it's getting us looking in the wrong direction for the villains, yeah. does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So the last question that they asked, and this is just 
the propaganda side um, was what makes these characters effective or realistic in terms of propaganda. And some of the examples that they gave was Bane, Killmonger, uh, Magneto, and Palpatine. Like that they all have had good ideas. Well, there are a lot of people who think Thanos had a good idea. Yeah, that right. is he, true. He was just misunderstood. There are people who make that argument, but you know, it's still wrong. <laughs> but how do these characters, you know, um become effective effective or realistic with uh propaganda? Well, I think they well, those are all very very sympathetic characters. I mean the way they're written too. Mm-hmm. Like especially Magneto if, if from the movies, especially him being a child of the Holocaust. Right. And then experiencing just outrageous persecution for for no reason, and then persecution because of these again, yeah, yeah. because of their mutant powers. Now, but then the 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 great thing about the X Men, I'm sorry, I could talk for hours about the X Men, but the, <laughs> the beautiful thing about that is, as you're right, like there's like you can almost feel for the villains and the heroes. Like it was it was such a great sh- series to address. Issues like uh, racism and uh, homophobia and all this kind of stuff back in the day, back in the 80s. I mean, they were definitely like addressing all of those kind of issues using mutants as as kind of this, I don't know, example. Right. And mm-hmm. uh, in the analogy. And but at the same time, some of these mutants have so much power that you almost are like, well, yeah, of course we need to monitor and keep, you know what I mean? Like, uh, you know. Xavier was was letting people who could blow up entire city blocks be part of the team. And what would happen if one of them got angry? And we saw what happened in the Civil War uh, series. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. One of the mutants was one of the new mutants was responsible for killing all these people at a school. And the the world wanted to uh, register they wanted to register mutants. Yeah, and heroes. That, that was this. That's was this. Yes. Also, any superpowered person right. uh, should be registered. And and you know, I've I've had this talk with people in my own family about the Civil War, the movie, with because uh, they didn't read the comics back in the day when when the mutants were involved. But just the fact, like, was Captain America or Tony Stark right? Which team were you on? I, yeah, you know, I. I've got a soft spot, soft spot for Cap, so I was. Oh yeah, on well, Cap I'm side. definitely a Cap side, but so, but because his was about individual liberty, and I'm all that's I'm all yeah. about that. But at the same yep. time, you you can't argue with, uh, or you can argue, but I'm just saying, but you can you can see the side of someone like Tony Stark, who who is powerless without his right. equipment, right? Without his artwork, yep. With literally, you know, is standing next to a god who could crush him with one, you know, or, or the Hulk for that matter. And so he's imagining a world where these people are, are free and just have no, you know, oversight whatsoever. And Cap's like, well, yeah, they're free to be, you know, and if they decide not to be, then that's where we step in. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, that's why we have the police. That's why we have the military. That's why we have laws, right. Is because we don't want certain things to happen, but we, but we still have to allow people the freedom to even to make wrong choices which is which is hard to and we're dealing with that in politics and in our country right now is you know people are fighting over whether they have the freedom to make a wrong choice and then well if it affects other people then you don't have that freedom correct so 
with freedom comes responsibility. Yeah. These are interesting topics. It's getting deep. We've never been this deep on this, <laughs> this show, but I like it. I mean, this is very, this is interesting to talk about and it's, and it's, and you're right. Um, and they're right to bring it up in this panel. It's, it's such a huge topic and and so much of pop culture, right? Yep. Yeah. I agree with that. So that's why that was one of the biggest reasons why I decided to watch it, especially because I, you, as you see what I repost or share, and most of it is just merely um, because I'd like to do my own research later and I don't always have time to like fact check everything. Um, but I guess what I should probably do is just make it private or something like that before the entire world decides to comment horrible things. Um, <laughs> Never but, read the comments. <laughs> I know, right? Um, but I mean, it is prevalent. And um, and sometimes, you know, comic books or, or um, movies do portray or enhance specific types of things that are going on in our society. And it could sometimes be for the better, like you were saying with X-Men, or sometimes it could be, you know, negative. And I don't necessarily have an example, but, you know, if you guys do feel free to shoot one out, but, you know, sometimes it can be negative um, or have a negative impact um, in terms of conspiracy conspiracy theories or even just on the propaganda side um and then of course i just was interested to hear what they had to say and they had to say um about both and also the scientific side you know right you know having two science teachers that are interested in um fact checking and making sure that people are critical thinkers and asking themselves not just you know why or how could this how could this uh, be accurate but, you know, making sure that they're utilizing credible sources and um, before they go and share this with their friend and family members and all this stuff and spread, you know, misinformation, make sure that what you're actually sharing and, um, you know, stating to other people is actually true. Because a lot of people do get freaked out with, you know, and rightfully so, sex trafficking, sex traffic, child sex trafficking is prevalent in our in our world that it just is what it is but before you go and share these different things with your family or people that like a new mother you know make sure that you are <laughs> correct in what you're saying i, I know right. that was kind of abrupt but it is true you know yeah. oh yeah be careful because your child's gonna get abducted and she's like oh my gosh i just had a baby my child's gonna get abducted i think the this is a great discussion uh, and like I said, we've never gotten this. <laughs> we never usually go this this deep, and I definitely don't want to get into the, the politics of all all of that kind of stuff because mm -hmm. that you know obviously everybody is entitled to their own opinions and 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 all of those kind of things. But at the same time, I think the most important thing to take away from that is what you said, Aaliyah, or what their their point was in the panel was to be critical thinkers. I think that's the problem. A lot of people who post these things haven't really thought it through. They, they've got confirmation bias. They've found something that fits the narrative that they agree with. And they just, they spread it without taking a second to think, what is it really saying? Like and wildfire. is it, yeah. And is it, is it really, is it helpful? Is it harmful? Uh, what am I actually doing by sharing this? And I, people don't think anymore. It's one of the reasons I, if I didn't need Facebook to, to, to market this podcast and to market other things that I'm working on, uh, just it's not, and Twitter is just the uh, just a cesspool of toxicity I nowadays. Um, there's so much, you know, toxic, but there's some good stuff in there too. It's just it's really 
you know, it's it's hard to find that stuff. I miss but, when Twitter was just funny. But that's right. some of the panels that you can find out at San Diego Comic-Con at home are about these kind of topics. It's really kind of cool to see. It's not just, uh, you know, some of these things really do make you think. It's not just, you know, gushing over the, th- the things that we're uh, passionate about, but there's actually some really, really good stuff in here. If you're an artist, you're going to find a lot of cool panels talking about uh, how to get better at art, how to market yourself, how to start your own business, how to build a brand in a pandemic is another one that I watched today with uh, someone who's going to be a guest in the near future, right? Tony Kim. Tony is Kim. Join us next uh, week. Next week to talk. Uh, we're going to do a recap of some Comic-Con stuff uh, with Tony Kim. He has a brand, Hero Within, which is some clothes, uh, but he talks with some other people about uh, making comics, making cosplay and writing books. And I thought that was a really fascinating panel to check out. So check that one out. What else did you, did you see any other panels? Uh, We won't go into, we don't have a ton of time to go through a lot. That was a great discussion, but let's just share some of the other uh, side panels that we thought were interesting. If you'd like to share some of those, this is the time. And then we'll do a little preview of what's coming up this weekend. So Utah, what else did you see out there? Uh, Well, in terms of, the uh, the conspiracy one I was definitely interested in, and I'm hoping that it's still up so I can uh, take a look It looks like that. it is, yeah. So I'll be checking that out. Uh, but, you know, there are other things on there. There's a lot of uh, LGBTQ stuff in terms of, like, uh, representation on television, representation in movies. Um, Shudder, the streaming, horror streaming service, has a has a panel on, on uh, titled Horror is Queer, talking about... Um, LGBTQ uh, and horror movies specifically. So that's, uh, like you said, there's just so many interesting things. Heck, um, I know we're not uh, talking about uh, the rest of the weekend quite yet, but NASA always has at least one panel at at Comic-Con. And this year they're talking about uh, going back to the moon and beyond. And William Shatner is moderating that panel. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. (laughs) So that's happening. uh, I think that's happening on Saturday. But uh, yeah, there's lots of great. You know, if you're into Pokemon trading cards or just Pokemon in general, maybe Pokemon history. Uh, there's a lot of books and authors and everything else going on. So it's not strictly just comic books and pop culture and 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 superhero movies. There's a lot of stuff going on. Um, yeah, William Shatner hosting a panel uh, with NASA. <laughs> I'm gonna have to check that out. That's that sounds like it'd be fun. What are some other ones that you? saw around today that or maybe that you haven't checked out yet Aaliyah but you want to uh for today yeah or just okay or in general uh, yeah we could go ahead and do the, the preview of the weekend as well oh okay. we'll come back we'll come back to you at Utah <laughs> okay well, I was gonna say because Doom the untold story of Roger Corman's The Fantastic Four is going on tonight oh that's yeah that's tonight the unfortunately while we're recording I think it's going on right now or maybe yeah, it's a little just, bit later it'll start in a few minutes yeah oh, okay. so we gotta wrap this up all right. Um, so there was a few things that I was interested in finishing up today. Uh, so the Comic-Con Museum, I don't know if you guys yeah, saw that. It's pretty cool. I am interested in watching that. Um, and then I did find some anime uh, for my anime viewers out there. Yes. Um, I saw, uh, and I know that I'm going to butcher these names, Kagoya? Kagoya-sama? Love is War? Kagoya-sama, yes. Yes, uh, and then Kakushi Goto. 
I said that so wrong. I feel like <laughs> Kakashi. I don't know. There was a few anime th- anime series that I was very interested in. Of course, um, I try to be you know into my anime. Um, and then uh, they do have one on um, Gundams, so they are going to be playing different episodes um, and movies, um, or just I don't even remember what I was trying to say. Sorry. They're going to be playing or showing different anime uh, episodes um, and then some movies on there as well. Um, and then a few other things that I was interested in. Um, You're interested in the continuing the Avatar legacy, right? Yes, and I have that on there and I was actually getting ready to, to mention that. And then also <laughs> they do have the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Oh, and yes. that was like, I grew up definitely watching that. Um, and then I do want to mention this just personally. Um they do have some African-American stuff out there for all of my people of color. Um, I definitely had to shout that out because um, women of color in comics is, it holds a very dear place in my heart. So uh, if you don't think that there's anything out there for you, they definitely have something at San Diego Comic-Con that will speak to you. Yeah, there's also, um, similarly, Entertainment is Female is Tomorrow. At yes. 11 a.m. All these are PDT, by the way. We're in we're in Eastern ourselves. That's right. So add add three hours. Add three hours to any of these times. Eastern time. Yeah. But uh, at 11 a.m. PDT, uh, entertainment is female. Conversation with Hollywood executives, talking about female representation in Hollywood and adapting comics and games to the big screen, which is, I think that one sounds like it'll be really interesting, especially some of the companies and uh, uh, folks that are involved in that one. It's that's an interesting conversation that could happen. Um, the other things that I'm looking forward to today, uh, I think we've pretty much mentioned everything that I was interested in today, but, um, actually, no, there was a, uh, storyboard one that you, you went to a cartoon network storyboard, right? Aliyah, didn't you check that out? Yeah. Yeah. That one was great. And actually, um, when you were talking about Apple and onion, he was, he's one of the, uh, panelists. Um, so Chuck, that's his name, right? Chuck Klein. Um, he is one of the panelists, and then um, Mick Graves from the Amazing World of Gumball is on there. Um, who else? Oh, we love that show in that house. That yeah, house. and then Summer Camp Island. So the creator and uh, the storyboard artist was on there as well. So it was pretty neat. Just if you are interested in, you know, storyboard and actually hearing how to to make it as an yeah. artist. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I, I think is really cool about this is again, like I said, it's not just about gushing over the things that we're passionate about, but you can literally get some education, some uh, information on how to advance your own skills as an artist or a writer. There's some writers panels. Um, it's definitely worth checking these out. The big things I'm crazy about tomorrow though, on Friday is uh, towards the evening there is a walking dead panel i kind of gave up on walking dead after negan got introduced and uh the whole the whole uh bait and switch they did with the ending oh, of that with, season yeah. with uh glenn the and that, yeah. Yeah. i was like that was so lame it was just it was such a stunt i'm like come on you guys are better than this like don't do a stunt and it was just a big stunt and i just thought that was lame and i know you know like you know especially the way i i, I mean I, we already knew who was going to you know get it because of the comics we assumed right but then just the way they pulled it off it was just a stunt and i lost faith in them and it got real dark after that but 
I'm kind of interested in seeing where it's going next because they've got a new uh, a new series, Walking Dead, The World Beyond, which is about more like young people who are growing up in the zombie apocalypse. So oh, that so is like a new show girl. that's coming out. Yeah. So, yeah, it would be uh, like uh, Rick's daughter. Um, yep. I don't think she's a character, but it would be like that. It would be kids who are either born or uh, or were young and are now living in this uh, world beyond, as they call it. Uh, Chris Hardwick is is uh, doing both of those panels because he does Talking Dead all because that, that stuff. Because he's the Walking Dead guy. Yeah, he, that's pretty. That's what he is now, right? Really, <laughs> that's like, what he, he is just now. does Walking Dead. <laughs> um, but the other great thing that I'm looking forward to Friday night is the Eisner uh, Comic Industry Awards. So that is where they honor artists and uh, comic industry folks. It's kind of like the Grammys or the Oscars for comic yep. uh, folks, and so I. Didn't realize that uh, that was going to be aired on here, but at 7 p.m. tomorrow, you can watch those awards. I'm looking forward to checking that out um, because I like to see who wins that kind of stuff. Um, also tomorrow, sorry, I got to mention it. Bob's Burgers is having a panel and that I absolutely adore that show. It, it has actually surpassed The Simpsons for me. Not not overall, wow. like The Simpsons overall is still my favorite all time oh, animated but show. But, but yeah, The Simpsons has is not as good as it used to be. It's still good. In my opinion, a lot of people say that it's definitely, you know, not as good anymore. I think it has, you know, gotten not as edgy and cool as it used to be, but Bob's burgers makes me laugh every single time. So I, <laughs> I am, I love that show to death. I love those characters. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to that panel. There is a Simpsons panel this weekend as well. There is a uh, Bill and Ted Face the Music, that one is on Saturday, I want to say. It's on Saturday. Yep. That is at 3 p.m. PDT. And sorry, the new trailer dropped today. It looks fun. Amazing. It does. And they also said that it comes out September 1st, both in yes. theaters. In theaters. And on demand. And yep. you get to choose. Now, I don't know if I'll be going to a movie uh, at that time, but I am excited about the... Uh, the choice, the yeah. option. So we'll see. I, it's, it's one I'm going to own. So if it's available for sale right off the bat, I'm probably just going to buy it and watch it at home. Um, but yeah, no, Bill and Ted Face the Music has a panel, and I just can't wait to see Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves in a panel. That's going to be so much fun. <laughs> uh, Guillermo del Toro has a panel. Keanu Reeves is in another panel about Constantine, the 15th anniversary reunion. Yes. So that could that's going to be exciting. Uh, HBO's Lovecraft Country, which is that looks good. Really good. It's a. Uh, I think Jordan Peele is uh, producing that. Yeah. Um, and I've read about half of the book. Uh, I read. I borrowed it from the library on Kindle, and then it expired. And now I'm waiting for other people to stop reading it so I can get it back and finish it. But it is amazing, and it's set back in 1950s Jim Crow America. Jim Crow. And but it's also about like monsters from H.P. Lovecraft. It's it's like a. It's, it's a fascinating. very interesting mashup. Oh, yeah. It's really, really cool. So these are characters who are overcoming racism and terrifying horrors from <laughs> other dimensions. It's, it's just like, like they fight, they're fighting two battles. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> really, really an interesting, interesting book. And so I recommend that book uh, and I'm looking forward to that show. Those are the things that I'm really, really excited about. Check those out on San Diego Comic Cons because these are all pre-recorded. we found out today. Uh, yep. You will be able to, as soon as the time happens, so if it's at three o'clock, for example, right at three o'clock, you can literally watch the whole thing. So you can fast forward through it immediately or right, whatever. 
and then you, can you skip over the, the the table read. Yeah, and if there exactly, <laughs> and if there's stuff, if there's stuff going on at the same time, you can just go back and watch it during one where there's no panels that you want to watch. So that's right. It's really just kind of a do it do it yourself Comic Con, which is really kind of fun. I love having that much control over what I get to see, but uh, I cannot like wait Comic-Con. for some of these. Yeah, it's very very exciting. Now it will be more exciting to go to San Diego next year, hopefully if everything works out and our world returns to normal and I can, you know, save up the money. Of course, my daughter's getting married next year, so I probably won't go to San Diego Comic-Con again. You know what? I hear there are plenty of wedding <laughs> venues in San Diego. <laughs> yeah, let's see if that I can That happen to be available in, you know, <laughs> mid to late July. We could get get married in Hall H during like, uh, you know. Hey, you know, that, that, uh, well, I wouldn't say there, there haven't been any uh, weddings in Hall H, but there have been proposals. I'm sure. Well, I could just find some some move. Maybe they'll pay for it. some sort of a stunt and they'll pay for it. Maybe we can make it happen. There you go. I don't know. Is there a wedding movie? Is there uh, you know, wedding singer two Adam Sandler coming out? <laughs> or, uh, I don't know. Or uh, be great. You need to go. You just father of the bride it. three. I don't know. We could see <laughs> fathers of the bride. What in the world would they do? Father, father of the bride, of the bride three. Father yeah. of the bride again. <laughs> Always father of the bride. No. <laughs> but yeah, I, hopefully, hopefully everything will be back to normal next year. But uh, for now, I'm taking advantage and you should too. It's been, it's been very, very exciting. Well, I want to thank both of my hosts here that have joined me today. Utah, thanks again for being here as always. Of course. Aaliyah, thank you for joining and bringing your perspective. And uh, My pleasure. <laughs> we'll be back next week with uh, Tony Kim. Just a reminder, we do not have a rewind this week, so don't look for a rewind coming next Wednesday. It's not going to be there. Uh, But we will be back with you next Friday, again with Tony Kim, doing kind of a recap of San Diego Comic-Con and then just talking about all the other pop culture fun stuff with him. So that'll be a lot of fun. Join us then. Until then, be good, everyone, and think critically. The Podcast is Real is a World Gone Geek production. (laughs) <laughs> and critically think critically think yes you can tell that was what i was about to say <laughs> and critic critically think what am i saying all right that was a terrible ending i may have to record it after you guys leave